You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. This is Father Richard Kuntz coming to you from the beautiful Diocese of Duluth, Minnesota, and I am here with my co-host... Cindy Jennings. Cindy Jennings, and she is also here asking all great questions of our guests. And so uh, the guests, I'm particularly excited right now about our next guest, Kevin O'Neill, because as we were just talking on the air, I was able to be in Rome during the time of the death of our Holy Father and be there, be present for the events surrounding his his, uh, death, except for his funeral. I didn't get to that. And so... uh, Pope Benedict is very much on my mind, and we're going to be talking a little bit more about Pope Benedict with Kevin O'Neill. Kevin, welcome to Real Presence Live. Thank you so much for having me on, Father. I'm looking forward to speaking with you. Kevin, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself for the listeners? Well, we, my family and I, we live in uh, Harvard, Illinois. Uh, my wife and I, we just welcomed our ninth child into the oh. world the other uh, a few weeks ago. And so we have uh, four boys and five girls. The tie went to the to the ladies, and uh, we have uh, just been blessed with creating a a book series that has really taken off. And uh, the the first book is called Catechism of the Seven Sacraments, and the newest book is called uh, The Holy Mass on Earth as It Is in Heaven. And what we do is uh, participate in the new evangelization and utilize typology and use Lego toys to build scenes and illustrate uh, uh, depictions of our faith to really teach to the mem- long-term memory of children and families. Wow, you just said a lot. I'm very curious about the Lego part. Is I have particular. the Last Supper Lego. You do? I do. Well, there it's you not go. made by Lego, but... So, so okay, so how many books, how many books uh, Kevin, have you written so far? We have two books and three uh, booklets. I guess you would call them. One is an examination of conscience. The other one teaches children how to pray the the Holy Rosary. And then the third book will be out very uh, the third booklet will be out very soon uh, this Lent, and that is on the Stations of the Cross. Okay. So okay. So I well, I know I know. Okay. First, just as because when people are listening, I want them to have this. I mean, strike when the iron is hot here a little bit. And I'd ask this at the end of our interview, but I just want you to do it now at the beginning of interview. How can people find out a little bit more about your books? Where can they go? Sure. You can go to, we've created a site. You can buy it directly from us, and we have a promo code for your listeners, uh, Real Presence, and that'll get you free shipping. Uh, but the name of our site is called UponThisBlock.com. It's a play on words. Yeah. <laughs> UponThisBlock.com. You can order it through Sophia Press or, of course, support your local bookstore as well. That's great. So upon this block, meaning like Lego block, right? That's right. Okay. All right. All right. No, that's, that's, that's great. So you're gearing it towards children. So, you know, um, so we're talking about um, uh, Pope Benedict and how he's influenced your work. Uh, maybe you can speak a little bit to that first. Absolutely. You know, Pope Benedict XVI, what a lot of people don't realize is he brought to the forefront theology of covenant. And what theology of covenant is, is it's just a beautiful way to unlock the faith systematically. So, for example, he called the Eucharist, you know, once the master key. And once you understand the master key of the Eucharist, everything else makes beautiful sense. It's kind Amen. of like it's it's kind of like a crossword puzzle when you begin. And in a crossword puzzle, you go through the questions and you know 
a few of the answers, and so you plug those in. And then that's your master key to the rest of, of it. And then you can start to solve things throughout your journey of going back and forth and back and forth. And that's really what the Eucharist uh, is. In fact, so much so that here you have, and it's called Theology of Covenant for such an important reason, and Catholics need to know this. All God ever did throughout all of Scripture was to establish a covenant with his people. And if you were outside of the covenant of God, well, bad things happened. And if you were inside of the covenant of God, good things happened. And sometimes you were punished along the way to stay inside of that covenant so that good things can continue to happen. But the fact of the matter is, is that Jesus Christ, who is God, only said the word covenant one time, and that was at the Last Supper when he instituted the Eucharist. And so everything we do as Catholics flows from and back to the Eucharist. And this is where Pope Benedict XVI's work really uh, came in so handy in, in my life, in, in my readings, uh, even so much so that, just to, to quick hit on that topic, you know, I can understand now why Protestants don't understand our, our Blessed Mother. Because if you don't understand what the covenant is, you can't possibly understand the Ark. And so here's the perfect relationship between the Eucharist and our Blessed Mother. And here's the Eucharist, the Covenant, Our Lady is the Ark. And for anybody that doesn't understand that relationship, and we illustrate it with Legos in our, in our first book on, uh, on the sacraments, but the old Ark was overshadowed, Mary was overshadowed. The old Ark traveled to the hill country of Judah, Mary traveled to the hill oh, country no. of Judah. David leapt for joy in the presence of the old ark. John the, John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy. Uh, Elizabeth, or John, uh, David said, Who am I that the ark of my Lord should come to me? Elizabeth, who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And, and just two more quick hits on that. When the old ark left the tent of worship in, in the Old Testament, it was covered with a blue veil. Well, the Catholic's mind just explodes that truth and goes, Oh, Wow. And then that scripture verse that says, Behold the ark. And what do we have there? A woman clothed with the sun and then the moon and the stars at her feet. And what are her feet doing there if she wasn't assumed? Yeah, okay. So, so, okay, so Kevin, you've said so much right there in just the first question I asked you. It's like we could unpack <laughs> that for the next, like, three years. And so, uh, but, but, but my initial, so, so everything you're saying, I mean, I wish that people could just, like, have recorded that, push pause, and replay it. Because everything you said is something that is so super important about, like, the visitation, Mary and the visitation, Elizabeth, and all that interplay and that covenant piece. But I, what the, what, when you first started speaking, there was something I wrote in, just with, on my notes as I'm talking to you here. So I've read a ton of Benedict stuff, but the one thing that you said that I didn't pick up on in his writing, which I want you to maybe explain a little bit more, is when he said that the Eucharist is the master key to the faith. Where Number one, my, my initial question is, where was that? Do you remember exactly where he said that in what context? I can't exactly cite where he said that, but I know that he really keys in on it and in the spirit of the liturgy. Mm -hmm. uh, and and uh, and, of, and and then his book, uh, Introduction to Christianity, which is hardly right. an introduction. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> no, you have to have a doctorate to read that thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but then there's that book that came out called God is Near, 
And it was actually a series of his talks that meant that was huge for me. Uh, so when he was first elected is when I read that. And so I'm, maybe that was in there. I'm sure it probably was. But I love the idea because, you know, when, when we're teaching like our CIA classes, we haven't, we haven't hit upon the Eucharist yet. But I always start off by saying this is the single most important class you're ever going to learn. You're, you're ever going to have in RCIA because it's true what you said is that the Eucharist is absolutely key to every other aspect of our faith. A hundred percent. It's key to the birth of Christ. I mean, look at here you have Jesus who was born in Bethlehem, which means house of bread, and in Aramaic it means house of flesh, and he's laid in a manger, uh, which is where the sheep come to eat. Everything is Eucharistic, and absolutely. what's so important, and I know we're coming up on a break, and so we'll leave it here, maybe here, but the, um, the Eucharist, it, it, like the early church said when they were accused of cannibalism, they said, no, it's nuptialism. This yeah. is the wedding feast of the Lamb, and everything in Scripture, Scripture begins with a wedding, it ends with the wedding feast of the Lamb, and Christ's first miracle takes place at the wedding feast of Cana, and this is the nuptial life-giving union between God and His people. Kevin, let me give you one more uh, in, uh, before our break. Is that that just this this morning's gospel reading? We're at the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, and and Jesus is teaching with authority, and the 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 people in the synagogue say, "What is this? A teaching with authority?" Manna. Well, m- manna, <laughs> manna is what is this? And so, manna, the bread from heaven that came down during the Exodus experience, was nothing more than a foreshadowing of what we were doing this morning in church. So it, the, there was nothing done by accident by the, in the Gospels. And so when, when uh, the Gospel of Mark puts that question in the mouths of the people in the synagogue in Capernaum, what is this? It was meant for the listeners to hear, what is this? This is the bread from heaven, the true bread from heaven. That, you know, and our journey is really no different than the original Exodus. They were born again a new nation through the water and the Spirit. And we're born again a new people through the water and the spirit of baptism. They were led by the priesthood. We're led by the priesthood. They were sustained by the manna. We are sustained by the manna of the Eucharist. They were led into battle with the Ark and the Covenant. We are led into battle with the Ark and the Covenant. And it's all to get to the promised land. Everything is connected. Everything is connected. So it's like, you know, when I go around and I give uh, communion to people that are dying, we call it viaticum, which is food for the journey. We need that viaticum every day because we're on the same journey, but we're not towards the end like these other people are. So we need the food for the journey as well. So it's not just for the people that are dying. Our Eucharist, when we receive the Eucharist, that is our food for the journey through this life. That's right. And we teach that. We teach about the viaticum in our first book, the Catechism of the Seven Sacraments. Uh, as well as just you know, how our God fathers us the entire way and even calls us all the way to the end, as we even see on the cross with our Lord and St. Dismas. Yeah. Kevin, I like you. I'd, I'd like to have a beer with you sometime. So if you're ever in Duluth, <laughs> look me up, all right? Because, I mean, this is great stuff. And and and, and so we're, we're talking to Kevin O'Neill in regards to his series of books, uh, and his website is uponthisblock.com. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this topic, which is like far-reaching, just right after this brief break. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network.
God's blessings to you all. And as all of you out in Radio Land listen to Real Presence Radio, what a great gift it is for every one of us. As we're in the car traveling, that we learn something about our love for Jesus, something about the great gift He has given us through His holy family, which is the church. Or we also get to find something out more deeply about our own self, that we come to know that we are made in God's image and likeness. And the great gift that we have is made and loved by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So continue to listen to this wonderful radio station. We need to support it in every way so that this beautiful gift of the gospel message can be spread throughout where all of this is heard and that the Holy Spirit will strengthen you all in his love. Have a wonderful day and keep listening to Real Presence Radio. This is Dr. Ryan Sappo with Lumen Vision in Fargo. We appreciate all the support our eye care clinic has received over the past year. Lumen Vision offers eye exams for the whole family, vision therapy services, contact lenses, and glasses. Lumen Vision is located across the street from Saints Anne and Joachim Parish in South Fargo. We accept a variety of vision and medical insurance plans. To schedule an appointment online, our website is www.lumen.vision. Lumen Vision is a proud sponsor of Real Presence Radio. For centuries, healthcare has been central to the healing ministry of the church. Today's technologies offer exciting possibilities, but also serious moral questions. More than ever, we need healthcare leaders who serve with integrity and conviction. The University of Mary answers the call to prepare leaders anchored in moral courage in a breathtaking range of programs from bioethics to nursing. Visit catholicprofessional.life. listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter, and be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. This is Father Richard Kunst along with Cindy Jennings. Coming to you from the Diocese of Duluth, Minnesota. We are at Stella Mars Academy, St. James Campus. We've been talking to Kevin O'Neill about his uh, his books uh, on uponthisblock.com website where you can get his books and we're talking about Pope Benedict XVI's Pope Benedict XVI's influence on him. So I just want to uh, maybe start off this conversation something I shared with you over uh, the break here Kevin is that so just last night I was at dinner with parishioners brand new people in the in the neighborhood and in, in the in the area that um, asked me the question they said how can, how can we get our kids excited and about the faith and, and not have them maybe bored about mass and stuff like that. And your books and what you do is something that would be excellent for kids. So maybe I know we talk about typology and Lego blocks. Maybe maybe let's let's simplify this and talk a little bit more about most of the basics. What are you doing? What are you trying to do with your work? What we're really trying to do is teach to the long term memory of of children. And you know the new evangelization. My my family and I we're products of the new evangelization, and we're so thankful for that. Every Lighthouse Media CD, all of the, 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 the radio stations out there, uh, we couldn't get enough of it. And one thing we noticed in, in teaching our children is, you know, the new evangelization is, is kind of watering the leaves, and we need to really water the roots. And we need to get this to children. And just because something is profound does not mean that it's complicated. And so our books are graphic novels. I mean, you're talking 
700 illustrations that we built, took pictures of, and then uh, threw back into the bin to be able to teach children the typology and the depth of our faith. And uh, both of our books have the imprimatur. Uh, We have the Father John Harden glossary definitions in the back for any words that you need to expand upon. But also we have the Bible citations and catechism citations at the bottom. And so what we've really done has created a Bible study that you can do with your children, and you will leave learning a lot about the Scripture as well. You know, I love it. You know, there's so many times where, like, you know, especially I think of John Paul II, who would always try and encourage, you know, priests in particular to use modern forms of media and technology to get to evangelize the people, to get the gospel message out. You're doing that in the most unique way by using Lego blocks. I mean, it's like, who would have thought? You know, I mean, you're, you're, you're taking a, a, a most favorite type of child's toy, which is not only just children, uh, but adults that love these things, and you're taking that as a means of evangelizing and teaching. Yeah, and just even to, I mean, imagine six pictures on one page, six pictures on the next, and we show how sin comes into the world the same way that it leaves. And so sin came into the world, God walked with man, we see him in a garden, the Garden of Eden, a man and a woman, Adam and Eve at a tree, they take the fruit from the tree, they eat it, and sin and death enters in. Well, then on the next page, we show how sin leaves the world the same way. Jesus, who is God, walks with man, we see him in a garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. We see a man and a woman, our Lord and our Lady, at a tree, the cross, but this time the fruit is put back on the tree, and that's scriptural, blessed is the fruit of your womb. And we have to eat from the fruit of that tree, which is the Eucharist, taken from the tree of life so that sin and death can leave the world. And so, and for anybody that thinks the garden is is a reach with Gethsemane, in the Garden of Eden, when they were kicked out, a fiery sword was drawn so they couldn't re-enter. And in the Garden of uh, uh, Eden, a, a sword was drawn. And in Gethsemane, what does Christ tell Peter? Sheath your sword. And in Eden, when they were kicked out of the garden, the ground was cursed with thorns. And when our blessed Savior left Gethsemane, he took our curse and crowned himself with it. And so we teach this typology to children and to families so that they can see the reality that they're participating in. Okay, okay, okay. So, so you just articulated typology. You gave multiple examples of typology, which, is, which most people have no stinking clue about. You know, I mean, when they're hearing, I mean, people don't understand that the Old Testament is so connected to the gospel when they go to Mass, right? And so maybe you can define, maybe give a definition of what typology is, because you just gave a whole bunch of incredibly rich examples of it, but give us a definition of typology for listeners that might not be adept theologically necessarily. Yeah, typology is a, is a four-syllable word for a very simple, with a simple definition. It's, it's really the old being fulfilled in the new, because that's what Christ did. He came to make all things new, to fulfill the old, and it's also revealing God's plan in the Old Testament, uh, because God calls his shots. And he does, Bishop Fulton Sheen said it best, would our Savior really appear unannounced? And Scripture, exactly. before Christ came, he was announced. He was... He, he came to the stage to show the salvation that he was offering. Uh, even so much so, it, it, he calls his shots in the creation story. In the creation story, you know, it was on Friday 
A lot of people don't realize this. It was on Friday when Eve was brought forth from the side of Adam. And it was on Good Friday that the church was brought forth from the side of Christ. And it was on Saturday. Right. And it was on Saturday in the creation story when God rested. It was on Holy Saturday our Lord lays lays to rest in the tomb. And then, of course, Sunday, the, the, the day of new creation, the first day of the week, the new uh, Sabbath, so to speak, the resurrection. Here's Christ. And what was Adam? Adam was a gardener. And what was the first thing Christ was mistaken as by Mary, Mag- uh, by Mary Magdalene? She thought he was a gardener. Mm-hmm. God so, let, calls his okay. So, okay, so you're very good at pointing these things out right now. And so my, my question is, okay, so a twofold question. Are all these examples of typology that you're talking about in the books that you've written already? Yeah. Okay, but they're yeah, done they in, are. like, Lego children form, right? A- absolutely. Mm-hmm. So so have you ever thought of writing a book about this on a higher level? Because you sound equipped to do it. <laughs> I... You know what's so funny? I I used to have people come up to me all the time, and they said, you know, you should you should write a book. And I said, you should just read the books I've read. So there are two things, Father, I never thought I would do. Uh, write a book and, and play with Legos. <laughs> <laughs> well, there I'm you living have. a lie. I'm not a big See, Lego fan. I, I, I want, I I want that's why, okay, I, I, I want to have a beer with you. I'll have a stout if, if, it, if that's what it takes. <laughs> so. So, uh, so I, I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm loving what I'm hearing, and, and so I am going to order your books. I, I've, I've, okay, I've been, a, I've been a host on this for like six years. I've never said that to a guest. I'm going to, I'm going to order your books, and so it's uponthisblock.com, and there's a coupon code if you just write real presence, you get free shipping. So if, if the listeners are uh, as spellbound about this topic as I am right now, you, you need, you need to get these books. At least check out the website. Uh, uponthisblock.com, which is a great play on words. Here's here's another here's a here's another. I wish we had an hour with you, but here's another um a little bit of a type that I've always kind of played with. I'm really into papal history, and so you know the type one of the types of Christ in the Old Testament was the rock, right? I mean, they you know mm-hmm. Moses struck the rock and the water came, and and so from that point on in the Old Testament, uh, the God was called a saving rock, you know, and and a life giving rock because of what happened, mm-hmm. and so. When, when Jesus asked the, the apostles, who do people say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, Son of the living God. Jesus takes that type of him and transfers it to Peter. And now he, mm-hmm. now he is standing for Christ in a very unique way because of that profession of faith. And so it, we, I think, singularly, the only time I've ever seen that I'm aware of in the, in the Bible where there's a transfer of a type of Christ, typology, is changing it to Peter, that now he's the rock. Yeah, Am I onto and, something? And, or? Yeah, I think it's absolutely beautiful. And there's so much going on in that scene as well. Mm-hmm. We actually point this out in the, our Holy Orders uh, section but in, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's Isaiah 22. In Isaiah 22, the passage mirrors Christ speaking to Peter. And I'm going to butcher right. it a little, but the essence of my point will be the same. But he talks to, of, of Elikim, and he speaks of sure, the peg. authority yeah. being yep. passed on. Yeah, I will yep. sash him with your sash, clothe him with your robe, and I will put the peg in the wall firmly, and he will be a seat of honor in the house. Yep. And then, But then he calls his shot again, and he says... But in that day, that peg will be sheared from the wall, 
and that was when Christ sheared it from the wall and moved that peg over into the fulfillment of the kingdom and gave the keys to Peter. And where were they? Caesarea Philippi, in yeah. front of the Grotto of Pan. Pan the mean, big rock. It's a big rock. Yeah. yeah. God is planting his flag right in front of Satan himself, so to speak, yep. and saying the gates of hell will not prevail. And, and how insulting to the devil is that, that Christ himself does this through men. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. So, okay, so I've been, I'm, I, I have to apologize to Cindy, my co-host, because I've been hogging this interview. <laughs> but I'm, I'm okay, a, I'm I like a, it. I'm, so what are you working on next? I know we we're supposed to be talking about Pope Benedict XVI, and we didn't touch that much, but are you, are you working on a new book? I mean, you must be doing Legos in your sleep. We, we are. We're constantly working on it. We're doing uh, the New Testament right now, and then after that I'd like to hop into the seven sayings of Christ from the cross. Uh, because there's a that gets back into typology, which I think is so important to teach children. If they can learn Psalm 22 and understand why Christ said, "My God, My God, why have you abandoned me?" Right, right. Yep. Uh, it, it, there's just so much children need to learn. So, folks, uh, uponthisblock.com. If you've got kids, and I know a lot of you do, that are like, "Oh boy, I'm, they're gonna, I'm gonna lose them. I'm gonna lose them. They're not paying attention. I can't get them excited about the faith." Again, I have not looked at your website, but everything we're talking about sounds like this is the type of thing that I would strongly recommend to people with young children. Not, not only young children, I'm going to buy the dang book. So it's like even adults, I mean, you're talking about this typology stuff that if people only knew, if people only had a grasp of what you're saying, Kevin, our churches would be full. And I, and I, I, I love right. what you're saying about Pope Benedict XVI, how he said the Eucharist is the master key to the faith. It is. It's, everything is connected. Everything... Everything is connected. I think, I mean, I'm excited to get your stuff. Any, okay, so any, any, uh, we've only got like a minute and a half or something. Kevin, do you have anything, last thing that, uh, that you want to talk you about? You know, well, certainly, uh, always. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, just even another tidbit, because it, it, the books are all typology. They teach the faith in such a great way to children. But even for parents uh, looking at confession, trying to teach their children confession, you know, this is a resource form. Where's confession in the Bible? Well, we show the typology of it. There are only two times in Scripture when God breathes on his people. The first is when he breathes into Adam's nostril, and Adam has life. But then Adam sinned, and death came into the world. Christ then, after he overcomes death through the resurrection, appears to his disciples and he breathes on them and says... Go and forgive sins. Whosoever sins you forgive are forgiven and retained are retained. And so, just as Adam lost the breath of life through sinning, Christ now destroys sin by breathing life back into us through his breath. And so we participate in that life-giving breath of God every time. And what's it point back to? The Eucharist, so that we may receive the Eucharist in a worthy manner. That's great. Okay, so Kevin, I'm going to reach out to you on your website, too. So uh, it's Kevin O'Neill, uponthisblock.com. Check it out. Get the books. I'm going to. Thank you, Kevin. I would like to get you back here at some point. So uh, this has been a great conversation. We'll continue at some point, okay? So let's be in touch. Thank you so much, Father. God bless you. All right. Thank you for listening. After this uh, uh, break, we'll go on to a, a topic about something that's all connected. all connected. The Holy Spirit is next. Live. Engaging and local. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 